Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thank you. Thank you, football. <laughs> this type of emotion without football, I think, is impossible to live. So out they come into the stadium that bears the name of the great Johan Cruyff. Hakim Ziyech. Dusan Tadic. Early danger and an early save. Excellently done by Lloris for Tottenham. The Ajax captain, Matisse Delict, has gone forward for the corner. In towards him, and he scores! That is a big night for Ajax, it's a big night for the captain, and he delivers early on to make Tottenham's task that much more difficult. Ajax won, Tottenham nil, the worst possible start for Spurs. And the back brings it back for Ajax. Tottenham a little bit undermanned here. Dusan Tanic. Ziyech, oh, that's a great goal! What a hit by Hakim Ziyech! He walked onto that and smashed it straight into the back of the Tottenham Hotspur now. It's Ajax 2, Tottenham 0, and you can't hit them sweeter than that. Towards Lucas Moura onto Deli Alley. This is promising for Tottenham. Lucas Moura running through. Here he is, and there's the goal back. And that's exactly what Tottenham needed. It's Lucas Moura. It gives them hope. Ten minutes into the second half. Ajax two, Tottenham one. First signs of concern here in the stadium. Gilbert Son. Here's Kieran Trippier. They've opened them up. Here's the shoot. Still not clear. Mora. Oh, it's in. They've got another one. It's a Champions League miracle going to happen again involving an English side. Brilliant save initially by Onana to deny Llorente. But Mora there to snaffle up his second goal and make it Ajax 2, Tottenham 2. It's game on. It's definitely game on. Sinclair.
Spurs and so is everyone inside this stadium. I can't believe it, Flick. Referee's had a look at the watch. I don't know where he's getting the time from. Here's Sissoko. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. It's been a while. Um, yeah, bit of a sort of just random one here. Felt a bit of a creative urge. Um, what with it being one year on since uh, that little thing that you just heard I cobbled together at the start there. I hope you might have all uh, recovered from that. Um, but yeah, I basically just... Like I say, you know, we everyone's got a bit of extra time on their hands now, a bit of extra time to think. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just sort of felt like I needed to slay the dragon a bit, really, with Spurs and the Champions League run from last year. I think it sort of hung over a lot of our heads. Um, never really wanted to sort of face it or deal with it just because we knew how it all went, but... I think seen those Pochettino interviews quite recently. Um, just got me thinking about it again, and obviously what with it now being the uh, the anniversary of that game, I thought I'd ask a few of me Tottenham contemporaries, people who I've met and you know known as a result of this club down the years from various different parts of my life. Um, their thoughts on what was, I mean, let's be honest, the biggest game of our lives uh, very straightforward didn't really give them a very kind of tight remit anything like that just sent out a few whatsapp messages saying can you just record me a voice note give me some of your thoughts and feelings about Ajax one year on and uh, the following that you're going to hear is a, is a result of that um, so without further ado we'll, uh, we'll start on the uh, pal of mine called Phil um, who I actually went out to the game with and watched the game with in Amsterdam um, and uh, yeah he's going to sort of tell you a bit more about that now take it away Phil Amsterdam is both uh, a massive blur, but also crystal clear in parts. Um, anything from getting on the Eurostar, smuggling on lots of beers, um, getting quite pissed and singing Spurs songs and getting told off, to getting a cab from um, the station to our Airbnb and listening to Liverpool come back against Barcelona 
And as much as I didn't want to admit it at the time, my, my heart sank a little bit. I had this idea that Spurs were going to both not only beat Ajax, but also beat Barcelona in the final. Liverpool was a different prospect, though. Um, the next day, I remember me and Jack um, in our Airbnb that we found a football. It was on the farm, this Airbnb, and we found a football and we just had a kickabout. Um, and it was, to be honest, hilarious to pretty much hungover, out of shape, 30-something-year-olds trying to kick around a flat football and just making a fool of ourselves, having a right old laugh. Um, we then went into central Amsterdam, had some more beers, had some food, um, and then went to the center and I've never seen anything like it. There was just so many, so many Spurs fans. I mean, obviously I knew that a lot of Spurs fans were going to be going, but I didn't really have a, be able to comprehend what that looked like. Um, and it was just mayhem, but in with a real kind of positive uh, vibe. Also, I remember there was a bar um, in, in the square, which was basically the Dutch version of Yates's, where all the Spurs fans were just traipsing in and out of to use the toilets, which were an absolute fucking state. Um, and then we were all singing, all standing around drinking beers outside. And I remember like a ring of um, Ajax Ultras turned up and just stood around the perimeter just to have a look what was going on. Um, it seemed like there was hours to kick off at that point. And then suddenly it was 20 minutes away. So we made a beeline to um, an Irish bar. I can't remember what it was called, but when we got in there, I mean, I say got in it, we barely got through the door. It was so, so jam packed. It was a definite fire safety hazards. And, you know, more importantly than that, couldn't actually get to the bar. So we sat that off and just found a small pub that was on the on the square. Um, and that was packed full of Spurs fans and it also had some Ajax fans in there as well. Um, the game, the first half, you know, I mean, I don't think anyone's watched the highlights of the first half, so I, I can't really recall what happened, but I knew that obviously we were down. I remember standing outside talking about how we'd not bottled it, but had our, had our chance and just not turned up. Um, and then second half started, we got the first goal. I mean, I, I was still kind of confident that we were going to do it, you know, based on nothing. I'm not the most kind of pessimistic Spurs fan, but not optimistic either. Certainly but more of a realist, I'd say. And I just, I just kind of felt that if, if one thing changed that we, we would have a shot, we got that first goal and then, you know, the, the, the rest of the game was a blur, just sinking so many tins. And the end, I mean, what can you say? What can you say? I mean, I'm trailing off just kind of thinking about it. Um, the absolute bedlam in there when that goal went in, um, I've never, never seen anything, anything like it at all. Complete and utter disbelief hugging everyone, um, crying. It, it was incredible. Um, and it must have been about, I don't know, 20 minutes after the final whistle. Everyone was still just in shock. And a guy walked in and he'd actually been in the ground, but he'd left like 20 minutes before, <laughs> before the end. 
and he said don't tell anyone but I left and I was like, don't worry about it, mate. Obviously, that's what I said, but I thought, what an absolute mug. Miss both being in the ground and missing being in the centre of Amsterdam because he was travelling between the two when it was all happening. Absolute state of him. Um, and then standing in the square when it, just all the Spurs fans from the, from the ground and from all the bars just converged and it was just utter, utter joy really I mean everyone was behaved as well and it was just incredible I mean I remember sitting on just the the curbside and just trying to take it all in I remember getting back to the Airbnb and being so desperate to watch the highlights and see what was what was going on with um obviously the the players and the fans everywhere else um but Airbnb didn't have a tv or anything so we all had to huddle around someone's phone and watched the um, highlights, and we watched it over and over and over again. We watched the highlights, we watched the players' reaction on the um, pitch, and it was just, just incredible, absolutely incredible. Right, cheers to that, Phil. And uh, I'm not going to do any more rambling, uh, rambling parts, although this is already rambling a bit, isn't it? Um, so I'm going to kick on to the next person now, who's Connor, who's also one of the horrors that uh, joined us out in uh, joined us out in Amsterdam as well, and stayed in the same Airbnb as us. So uh, yeah, go on, come. Well, the first thing I remember about the day is trying to find a little Airbnb gaff. So I came the day after, you horrible bastards walking up some little fucking trail. Oh, send them nowhere, some little village outside Amsterdam, which ended up being on a farm, which was nice, wasn't it? With little sheep and cows and that. It's a fucking good job we went on all, because I got fucking chinned late at night. If we came back, having got a paste in. Um, but, you know, if only we knew what we had to come. I can't even remember where we went in the day. I can, I can remember the square. I had too many fucking tinnies. I genuinely have no idea what happened. I might not be the best person to do this, but what I do remember is um, posing with our little flag, that little tins for a Toby flag, didn't we? Whatever happened to that? Um, yeah. Sort of gave up on getting a ticket. Went there with a pipe dream, but it was never going to happen. But I wouldn't change it for the world, to be honest. Ended up in the, some pub absolutely rammed full of fucking horrible bastards, didn't we? Went somewhere else. Um, found relatively quiet a gaff in comparison. I mean, the, f the first half was... I wasn't surprised. I can't even remember who played, mate. I don't even think we were asked about the lineup. were we? It was just, it was just what it was. Um, I remember fucking seething at half-time. I think I tweeted something about... Toby just being some cunt with an Ajax tattoo. I felt really bitter about him having that Amsterdam tattoo there at half-time. Don't know why. I deleted it after we won, obviously, because I'm a coward. Um, okay, and then the next 45 minutes, it's similar to the fucking Bayer Inter hat-trick in that. I know the second one was different this time around with Lucas, but the fir his first and his last goal were almost identical. As, as the thing with um, with Bales in San Siro. And it's just one of those things that 
because it was, I couldn't fucking believe it, I, I was thinking they must be showing a replay or something. This can't actually be happening. Nothing this good could possibly happen to anyone. And I, I just, my reaction would go in between trying to grab the TV and shouting fucking hell when it went in. It's coming up to, coming up to Jack, saying, no, we fucking haven't. In sheer disbelief, which I think then made his ass fall out because I think he thought, I was telling him there was some VAR shite going on, but luckily there wasn't. After I, and I've been reliably informed, I ended up lying behind the bar after um, after the full time whistle on the back of my lovely beige Stone Island jacket. Will attest to that. Cause it's covered in all sorts of shit. Still haven't got around to having that dry cleaned yet. Uh, and then yeah, just spilling out of the pub onto the main square and being welcomed by about fucking what seemed like about 50,000 Tottenham fans. Even though I was, there was only, what, 12,000 there. Fucking seemed like a lot more. Um, yeah, fucking... It's bad. You see videos, you see English fucking scumbag fans abroad climbing on cars and that, but it was funny. It was probably not for the driver, but it was funny. Got to be there. Yeah, just fucking... Everyone's standing around in disbelief about what happened. I remember... Um, I had a chat with that fuck. What's his name? That comedian. What's his name? Carl uh, Carl Donnelly. Is that his name? Ended up getting some ropey can off him. Just said fucking. Couldn't quite get my head around what's happened. I still can't really. But I prefer to uh, prefer to uh, think that's where our Champions League campaign ended because it did really. In terms of the football, it ended twenty seconds after that fucking final whistle, didn't it? But there we have it. Wouldn't swap it for the world though. Thank you very much, Connor. Yeah, I did indeed lose my ass, as he says in that story. Connor was just standing there saying, "No, Jack, no, Jack, no, 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 no," and I was like, "What do you mean, no, 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 mate, no, no, no?" And he said, "We haven't, we haven't gone and done that. We haven't gone and done that." And me, to me, like I'm thinking, "What the fuck's he saying?" And I look at the screen and I see Pochettino crumbling into a into a ball. And I'm I'm just sort of horror stricken at this point, thinking, "Oh my God, is this that Guardiola moment? Is this like in the last round that we saw against City when we've all just gone ape shit for the past two and a half minutes, celebrating something, and we've just had a VAR decision go against us? Please don't do this. Please don't do this." And I was just like, I just had to grab him and just be like, "What are you talking about, Con? What's happened?" And he's just like, "We're in a fucking Champions League final." And it was just like another rush again. That that dread disappeared almost immediately. Um, but yeah, moving on. Um, there was another another piece of our our little jigsaw that night who uh, came to the game, and uh, it's obviously a very special person to me. In that uh, it's my wife Charlotte, who I actually met as a result of Tottenham. Met her down at Tottenham, and she's yeah, you know. Likes, likes football, so that's handy, lads, eh? Um, but yeah, she'll tell you a bit of the story now. Watching the game was mostly a blur, but um, the end, I remember I was standing on a chair, just watch in this tiny little bar just off Dam Square and um, just not believing what was happening before our eyes. And for you know 
I don't know, 10 seconds after it ended, I was just in shock, just standing there, like not knowing what to say or do. And uh, Jack and Connor and Phil all ran over to me and we were all just hugging and screaming and crying. And we all, everyone in the whole bar just spilled out into damn square, which was just a complete riot. Everyone hugging. It was like, it was like the best day of everyone's life. You just hugging every stranger you saw, everyone going through all the same emotions and just all hugging and crying which you know at the moment just seems bizarre to think that you'd hug a stranger but um yeah like everyone having this exact same experience and we would we we stayed in in damn square for hours and the time passed by so quickly but we were there for literally hours and we only left basically when we got we suddenly realized it had been about (laughs) two or three hours of just screaming and crying and then we went and got a pizza to show um that uh the pizza she mentions at the end there it was probably the most fucking massive pizza you can imagine like americans listening you, you know you it won't be the biggest pizza you can imagine sorry to sort of stereotype there but you know just we know um you gotta bear in mind i'm talking about like british people where like our supersized pizza is like a 15 inch one um but this thing in Amsterdam was just like one of these proper, like, I think the actual place was called New York Pizza. And it was, unsurprisingly, a massive New York pizza. Um, and me, Phil, Con, and Charlotte just sat there. I don't think we'd eaten all day. We'd just drunk shitloads of beer and just sat there pretty much in, like, a dumbfounded silence, just scarfing this pizza down. Um but yeah, there you go, Pizzagate. Um, who am I going to speak to next? Let's, let's, yeah, we'll we'll speak to Jack. He's got a he's got a pretty good story um, here. It's, it's a bit of a longer list than this one, and uh, I was going to edit it, but then I just thought, no, you know what? Like, I haven't given anyone a remit. I've sort of told them what to do, and they've sort of run with it, and that's that's what Jack's done here, and it's it's a really really nice listen actually, and. Uh, Jack's yeah, we bumped into him actually when we were in the, in the bar. I can't even remember the fucking name of it, but the bar we were in in Amsterdam. Um, so yeah, go on, Jack. So I made the decision to go to Amsterdam uh, when Ajax beat Juventus in their quarter final because um, they did the draw for the quarter final and the semi final at the same time. Uh, and Ajax beat Juventus uh, over two legs uh, the day before um, our second date with Man City. So uh, when Ajax went through, and I knew that if we got through Man City, we'd make the semi-final. I texted my sister, said, you know, if Tottenham go through tomorrow night, should we go to Amsterdam? She said yes. Uh, and that meant that uh, the Man City game, incredible game, obviously, I was so, so nervous because not only was it a case of Tottenham possibly making the semi-final of the Champions League, but the possibility of this amazing trip to Amsterdam, one of my favourite cities in Europe, and Ajax, as well as they played against Robinson and Juventus, it felt imminently winnable. And when Sterling's goal was dissing out in injury time, the sense of relief was absolutely incredible. And... 
out of the relief came this enormous excitement that I was off to Amsterdam, this amazing city, to watch my team play in a semi-final of the Champions League and like, things in my head could not, could not get much better than that. Yep, so a few weeks later, me and my sister got the Eurostar, went to Amsterdam. Um, we went the day before the game. I remember on the train going up there, seeing Martin and Kat from the uh, Supporters Trust um, sitting next to each other across the way on the Eurostar, which sort of added to the spirit of things. And then yeah, I spent a lovely day and a half in Amsterdam. You know, I went to um, the Rijks Museum, walked around the... Um, the Dam Rack, which is like the shopping area in Amsterdam, um, had a lovely day and a half. Um, the only bad thing really was the um, uh, Liverpool game the night before, because um, I was desperate to play Barcelona in the final of Liverpool, um, because we'd already played Barcelona twice, acquitted ourselves quite well, and the thought of playing Liverpool again just seemed so dull and boring compared to a, a, a real glamour final against Barcelona. And I can recall watching on Dutch TV in this pokey me, 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 me and my sister had, feeling absolutely gutted when um, Origi got that fourth goal and Liverpool went through. Um, but you know, nonetheless, the next day I was in Dam Square three or four hours before the game. I felt very excited. Um, I was quite optimistic because um, in the first leg, I actually been by far the better team and... Second half, I felt as if they sat on their 1-0 lead uh, rather than go for um, a second or a third goal. And at the time, I thought they were playing so much better than we were. And we had no Kane, Sonny was suspended. We had no firepower whatsoever. I don't think the keeper made a save. And they really should have gone for another couple of goals and killed the tie off there and then. Second leg, we had Sonny. Uh, we played better away from home than at home throughout the Champions League campaign. And I really felt that we could do it and that Ajax were a young team, they were inexperienced and if we put pressure on, they may well fold. Um, um, that optimism faded quite quickly when the game started. Um, I should say that if I do regret anything, it's that I drunk too much before the game. Um, I was drinking far too many pints of Jupiler um, to the point that... Um, I went to a different bar at one point for the one we'd been drinking in. Um, asked for a pint of Jupiter. They said they didn't have one. So I asked for whatever was the most similar. Uh, and they gave me this German wheat beer. It wasn't very nice. Uh, and after I finished it, I googled what it actually was. And I saw it was alcohol-free. <laughs> so this Dutch bar owner had plainly seen drunk Tottenham fan and sought to uh, give me something non-alcoholic. And I was so drunk already that I didn't notice the difference. Um, so, yeah, I must admit, my memories in the game itself aren't quite vague and wishy-washy. I do recall when we were 2 all down, feeling not that disappointed. I felt quite serene, quite calm. It was truly a sense of, we've had a great run, had some great nights. I've had a lovely trip in Amsterdam. You know, we made a semi-final, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. All that sort of thing. And I remember feeling, yeah, quite calm, like, it's OK. And I was in Barcelona when we got through in the group stage. Um, I was at all the home games in that Champions League run. It had been great. I'd really enjoyed myself. Tottenham had done themselves proud. And that was how I felt. And even when Lucas scored, I really wasn't thinking much about going through. It just, 
it seemed like a consolation goal. It's good we got a goal on the night. And, you know, at least we put up a fight and even ourselves some chance. But when the second went in, and I think the fact it went in so quickly gave us so much momentum. And suddenly it was like, oh my God, like, we only need one more goal. There's 35 minutes left. And Ajax were rocking, and we never absolutely shitting themselves at this point. And it really didn't look like we were going to do it. And just the thought of Tottenham in the Champions League final had been uh, anathema to me my entire life, and I just couldn't believe it. Um, but then that third goal just wouldn't come, and we had chances. And the killer for me was um, for Tottenham with, I think, five minutes left. And he, I think he hit the bar, it's cleared off the line. And when that just would not go in, it really was a sense of, oh. I mean, the old adage of, um, uh, it's fair if I can take, it's the hope I can't stand. Um, I've painfully uh, misquoted that, but never mind. Um, there was a true sense of disappointment that, you know, Tottenham had actually given us hope and then let us down. You know, typical bloody Tottenham. And I must admit, I didn't have much over an injury time. I was just sort of thinking, you know, I'll have one more drink and go back. You know, I was sort of making my plans for coming home. I wasn't really thinking about us scoring that goal. But I was watching, and I was watching the game uh, in this pokey little bar uh, uh, off Dam Square. But all the Tottenham fans had been throughout the day uh, steadily drinking. And I just remember... Almost in slow motion, the clearance, uh, Narente, Ely, and suddenly Lucas. And it was just, I've never had a moment like, like it. I've never felt a paroxysm of delight as when that all went in. I just remember hugging the guy next to me, and we were rolling round the floor. And it really must have looked like we were having sex, because honestly, we were rolling round the floor. Uh, in sheer Bentham, just screaming our heads off. It was just... I've never felt anything like it. And I think Nick Hornby in Fever Pitch makes the point that nothing matches the feeling of a great goal. Um, gambling, too fortuitous. Sex, too many complications. There's just nothing that provides you with the sheer thrill as when it all goes in and you score and your team scores a massive goal. And for about 10 minutes, it felt like an out-of-body experience. I mean, and I don't even remember um, uh, uh, after we scored and we kicked off and the Mella <laughs> nearly gave the ball away. I only found that about it afterwards. I was still having this sort of out-of-body experience. Just, I've never felt any, anything like it at all. Like, just, as a moment in time, I've never felt that happy before and I probably won't ever feel that happy again. Uh, and then when the wrestle went, um, I was very drunk. <laughs> um, I was having this sort of out-of-body experience, and before I knew it, I was shirtless in damn square. And it wasn't that warm either. And it was about midnight Dutch time, and I'm in damn square, shirtless, waving my shirt and jumping around. Like an absolute madman. And, you know, I think uh, after midnight, I got the stuff, uh, walked home, and I remember stopping off at McDonald's to use the loo, seeing some Ajax fans who'd been at the game, and uh, I was, uh, and I said sorry. 
very English of me, I apologise to them for meeting them. And they were like, oh, it's okay, it's football. And I was just like, I know what it's like. I'm so, so sorry. I've been there before. Thank you very much, Jackie boy. I can, I can attest to Jack just wandering around with his shirt off in Dam Square. There's actually a photo of a few of us just... Yeah, it looks like it's something taken at a rave in the 90s kind of thing. All of us just like jaws all over the shop, wide-eyed, staring into a camera. Um, and there's Jack on the end, like, with his shirt in the air, fist pumping. It's proper, like, yeah, proper beefer with the lads vibe. Um, but it's tidy. It's a great story, Jack. Thank you very much, mate. Um, so now we're going to move on to uh, a mate of mine called, called Ben, actually. Ben, an old colleague. Now a friend, I would say, um, and uh, he's he's a friend now because he's he's not my gaffer anymore. He used to be he used to be my gaffer where I used to work. So you know you could you know, you're just weird if you're friends with your boss, aren't you? Really, you know you're brown nosing or something. But yeah, I mean, it's all right now. We can be pals now. It's okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I got him to record as a a little bit. So uh, yeah, take it away, Ben. I think the biggest thing that sticks out is the kind of numbness of the first half. So when those goals went in and we were supposedly out of the tie, I just remember being just completely numb, whilst also at the same time thinking, we've nearly gone out in the group stage we required this ridiculous run to get us out of the group and a, a really impressive point against Barcelona away. We've come through against Dortmund and been absolutely brilliant and weathered a storm away at Dortmund and been brilliant at home. Then had the incredible Man City game. It just felt like it was a bit too much of a damp squib to go out like that. It was the only thing I was thinking. That's has got to be something more in this. It would have been so un-Tottenham just to lose in a normal, you were the slightly poorer team over the course of the two legs, 3-0 on aggregate. So when we scored, I thought, yeah, maybe there'll be a bit of drama and maybe we'll get a second goal and it'll just look a little bit closer than it was. Because in truth, I was the far better side um, over the course of three halves of football. And then Morris scores the second one. And then they start hitting the post and Larice has to make a world-class save and we're clinging on for dear life in the hope that maybe you'll get one more chance at the end of the game, which I absolutely assumed was Jan Vertonghen's effort that came off the bar. Um, when we were, uh, The other thing that people tend to forget is that Jan Vertonghen had that chance that came off the bar, but we were doing a lot of huffing and puffing with that and getting any real clear-cut, great chances or looking like we were really going to penetrate Ajax. So it was such a Hail Mary when Sissoko smashes that ball 100 yards in the air and then Lorente, with that gorgeous hip of his that he'd scored against City, just flicked it in such an ugly fashion to Deli Alley, who then flicked it in a much more beautiful fashion into the path of Lucas Moura, who really, like, I mean, it's the most gorgeous left-footed finish considering that he's not a left-footed player like the ball just seemed to fizz and stay still and then after that 
just remember it being absolute chaos and carnage and bodies and Peter Walton looking like he'd been locked in the ref box, just losing his mind. Um, and one of the biggest things that stuck out for me is that I basically decided that I was going to sit and watch it on my own. I'd been watching the Man City quarterfinal in a group of people and just found it way too stressful and way too much and couldn't deal with the ups and downs of that. Um, and so I said, I'm just going to watch the second leg completely on my own in front of the TV, in my own environment. And I just remember just screaming and yelling for the longest time and then watching hours of that game back on highlights, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, back on the TV, pretty much all, all night and getting very, very little sleep. I'm going to try and make some of these intros for people where I don't just say take it away in the style of like an old like jazz club compare who's sort of ushering people onto the stage. Take it away, you crazy cat. Um, but uh, yeah, no, as, as I was saying to Ben afterwards after I listened to his little recording... It's so true to the fact that he was talking about how he got back. Well, not got back, but after the game, he, he just had to watch all the highlights, everything he could do, just consume it. Just You just had to get it in your veins. And every time you watch the highlights, you just pick out on another little element. Like At first, obviously, it's more as Hattrick, more as a superstar. But then the more you watch back the little bits, you see kind of... Well, even in what Mora did for the second goal, you look at his footwork and you think, Jesus, like the man was just possessed for a second there. For for an absolute second, he was just possessed. Like he's it's messy like godlike footwork to to get the ball after Anana spilled it and then to smack it home for a crowded box and then the third goal, just like the work with first and third goals that Delhi's put in to to get that just that kind of instinctive touch of class that he's got as much as he can frustrate us, knowing that when he doesn't have too much time to think about stuff, when the ball just comes at him, you just know he's one of those players that's just got that quality that won't shrink away in the big occasion, and he's got the quality to just do something that such a small percentage of footballers in probably world football at least european football are able to do um makes you appreciate what a, what a special player he is as much as it, he can frustrate people um but yeah let's uh we're gonna move on now um to a pal of mine called kath and uh yeah there's a there's a couple of parts to to kath's recording but she she, she sort of gives us a her account of the of the night, first of all. Um, and it's it's one of my favourites I've actually received from everybody. Sorry to everyone else, but definitely is. So I, I, I'll shut up and let you listen to it. Okay, so yeah, weirdly, just today I was talking... Well, not weirdly, actually, given it's, that it's tomorrow, the anniversary of the Ajax game. But I was talking about um, the match with my sons today on our walk with the dog. And I was saying how it was probably the most euphoric moment of my life um, when Mora scored the final goal and we, went through, and we won, uh, to which they were most indignant and I had to reassure them that, of course, <coughs> their birds were more euphoric, but 
any other uh, example of good things that happened that they could mention don't even come close. So going into the second half, I remember feeling quite moody and stroppy because we hadn't been playing very well and I was feeling quite despondent um, and tempted to bid the game. But of course, you don't switch off a Champions League semi-final because that would be stupid. And anyway, I was still quite proud that we were there at all. So I kept the game on and um, upstepped Lucas Moura. And obviously, we all know what happened. But the thing that really sticks out for me in the whole game is... I mean, lots of it, but it's possibly because I've seen it all a millions, millions of times. But the bit about um, the final ball from Delhi to Mora was just incredible. And everybody had been slagging Delhi off, it felt like, um, in the first half, but also leading up to the game that he'd been quite quiet. And his ball there, he couldn't have put it anywhere else. It was just perfect. And of course, we know what happened after that. And it, it was just, it was just wonderful. And uh, I remember just lying down on the floor face first, which I imagine sort of that prone position is something most Spurs fans were doing unless you were actually at the game, or even then probably, but just lying down on the floor, screaming into the into the carpet. Um, and my son very kindly recorded me making a noise that sounded like a wounded animal and shouting and screaming. And I still have that voice note, actually. Um, I thought I was having a seizure. I honestly... I don't generally have trouble breathing, um, but I, I thought I was I thought I was having a seizure. Uh, I couldn't breathe for a while. It was just wonderful, wasn't it? And that and that green kit, that glorious, wonderful, beautiful green top, that will always be iconic, as will Lucas Moura. And the scenes of Poch and the lads on the pitch after the game. Um, Poch with his beer, Danny Rose with his beer, and it was just the whole thing it was just just as I say the most euphoric moment just unbelievable and the three weeks after the final were just like a dream and it almost it, it thinking about the final obviously is it hurts but I always try and remember the the Ajax game and then those three weeks leading up to the final and everything just felt sunny and happy and optimistic um and it was just it'll always be a life highlight for me and something that we should treasure because most football fans don't see their teams getting into anywhere near that position. And we got to experience it, and we get to remember it, and we get to treasure it. Up the Spurs. So, yeah, just uh, just very quickly in the wake of that, I, I did actually uh, pester Kath for the uh, the recording of her post-game um, as the final whistle's gone. That uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll play to you now. I mean, I think we can all all empathise with uh, with Kath and that sort of very very visceral, raw uh, reaction there. And uh, I think something that Kath touches on in her her recording there, the main one at least, um, is that feeling that you know we. I think it's that I've had that feeling for a long time anyway, at least that this game was ruined really by what we saw in the. Uh, in the final, or didn't see, we should say, in the final. But given a bit of time to reflect on everything that's happened now, I guess we probably should overwhelmingly feel... You can still feel the disappointment about the final and, you know, what have you. But what we got to experience in Amsterdam is something that most football fans can only ever dream of. That I know growing up I would have been 
happy just to see Spurs playing in the UEFA Cup, as it was known then, Europa League now, uh, thinking, you know, if we ever finish there through whatever, does seventh place get you into the UEFA Cup would always be the sort of calling cry of Tottenham fans back in the day. And then if not that, hoping that we can get there maybe through the fair play league. But seeing that we'd come from that place to being a regular Champions League team and then actually getting to the promised land, making a Champions League final, all those sort of games that I'd seen growing up with, you know, the elite, the absolute royalty of European football, year in, year out, contesting it and seeing every now and again a Leverkusen or a Monaco or somebody like that making the final, thinking, God, it'd be nice to to have Spurs do that one day and whether we won it or not, being happy for it. And, you know, I've still got issues with that final, but, you know, definitely now I've got another layer of appreciation for this semi-final game and I'm sort of managing to get past a lot of the pain that's associated with it. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to stop talking again. I keep saying that. And uh, put you on to the next uh, contributor. who uh, His name's John. You might know him by uh, the moniker Jamuzzle. Um and I know it was a particularly sort of emotional time for John because he's uh, he's actually now since moved to America. But he was, yeah, he was, you know, off to get married. Congrats. Congrats, my friend. Um, in America to a, to a lovely American lady. And uh, this was to be his, you know, for all intents and purposes, his last season for a considerable time anyway in the UK. And uh, he was a, you know, he was a, a diehard sort of Tottenham home and away supporter, um, and it was probably quite apt for him that his his last season had been able to do that for quite some time. Saw him and saw us go on the sort of journey that we did. So, uh, yeah, go on, John, you you do the rest, mate. So, um, Amsterdam was probably the best European away of ever done and probably will ever do um, with Tottenham it's it was odd I mean we got the I got the Euro star on the way there um, and as we were getting in I think Liverpool were sort of 1-0 up 2-0 up and I remember thinking they're never going to do that um, and by the time I'd dropped my bags and gone to a bar they'd just gone 4-0 up and I was sitting there thinking like this can only be bad news because it's not going to happen in two nights there's no way we win after they do that um, but the first night was I think I, the first night was good night but what really sunk in was how many people had travelled like I don't know what our allocation was like 3k or something like that and there was loads and loads of years like absolutely rammed um, I got offered a, a ticket for 500 quid on the morning about I think it was about 11 or 12 o'clock and I was just sitting there thinking like can I justify spending 500 quid on a ticket when I'm moving to America and if we do win I'm going to have to go to Madrid and that ain't going to be cheap so I remember turning that down thinking well if we lose I ain't lost by not going to the ground if we win I'll spend it on the final um, which I did so that worked out alright but the honestly the 
the day was kind of a blur. It was chucking it down. We were in the in the square as usual. Some weird bloke with a Chelsea kit walked on, like back and forward a couple of times. Um, it was they are oh, some of the wrong ones started singing that um, Ale 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 song, but Tottenham. But oh, yeah, that got to me. Um, but it was weird. Like I remember when mates were starting to head towards the ground I started heading towards the bar and I just felt a bit annoyed um, but we got we, we got a good setup inside one of the bars they had like a whole upper room probably about I don't know, 100 150 of us crammed into a room that probably couldn't have taken more than about 50 or 60 um, and the first half I thought I, I can't remember much of the game like I remember going 2-0 down and thinking like at least from here it's a free hit um, just give us something to, just anything, just something to say, yeah, well, at least we gave it a go. Um, and I remember when we when he brought Lorente on, I thought, yeah, that's good. I like that. And um, he really did change the game. Um, the, the two goals going in, the first one was sort of quite, I wouldn't say a muted celebration, but it was, it was enjoyable, but it was very much like a, uh, at least we've enjoyed a moment sort of thing. The second one, everyone went absolutely nuts. Um, and at this point, you start to think something special is going to happen. And then I, I remember so clearly Vertonghen, with about three or four minutes to go, had that header. And that didn't go in and you think, yeah, well, that was it. Um, fortunately, that wasn't it. Because if we, had, if we had scored there, we definitely would have conceded again. Um, and then, yeah, the, the, I, I remember it was 2-2, the game was done. And... You're sort of thinking, yeah, they really did give it a go that second half. You can't really moan. Um, it's been a good, it's been a good 24 hours in Amsterdam. Tonight will be all right. What a shame! Ah! Um, and the place that we were in, everything went flying. One of the TVs got taken out. I think I just ended up on the floor crying. I, it was just this huge rush of this. This never happens to us. It happened at City, and it doesn't really happen to us like anyway so it's already happened once it isn't going to happen again I just I don't know I didn't know what to think what to feel I just burst into tears to be honest um, I remember I, I sort of everyone was going nuts and I sort of I, I was I, I was in this sort of state of shock um, and I went to a bar around the corner where there's a couple of Ajax boys in there and I just had a beer on my own in a corner um, for five or ten minutes just to try and take it in um, probably the most surreal moment of being a Tottenham fan in my lifetime um, I, yeah just shock complete complete shock um, and after about half an hour or so everyone's back in the square and that was four hours of some of the best just this is what this is what you do it for um, this is <laughs> this is why you go and going to watch us lose 1-0 at Burnley or 2-1 at Burnley a few weeks earlier um, all that sort of stuff it, it just makes it so much more high um, when the lows are really low and there have been lows following Tottenham um, and, that, and, that, and that sort of square party atmosphere that lasted for about 3 or 4 or whatever in the morning it was, it was great um, I felt like I deserved it I'd earned it <laughs> um, it was just seeing seeing people who you've spent thousands of pounds with, travelling all around the country, all around Europe, 
seeing all these people and just thinking, yeah, do you know what? We're actually going to the European Cup final. And uh, yeah, that was the start of like those two, two or three magical weeks between the um, Ajax game and the, and the final where everything was just brilliant. Um, I remember I got back in at like four in the morning, I think, um, set an alarm for half four to go and get a to go and get a train to Rotterdam or wherever. I can't, I can't remember where I flew out of actually. I think it was Rotterdam. Um, and I remember like about to being about to buy flights while I was on this train at five in the morning. I remember that um, my missus was coming over from America and she was actually going to be in England. And I, I just remember panicking. Um, I sent her a text saying, hey, <laughs> I'm going to Madrid. Maybe we can do 24 hours in Barcelona beforehand, which is what ended up happening. And we got on this flight back at five, half five in the morning. And it was like one of those small sort of city airport planes. Um, and it was about, I don't know, two, two thirds Dutch commuters, one third ecstatic, broken, disheveled Tottenham fans. Uh, none of whom I think had made it in the ground. It was just, yeah, I, I, the best away day, despite not having been in the ground special absolutely special i don't think we'll see another one like it in my in my lifetime there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cheers, Jamazel. Um, I hope you're getting on well out there. I'm sure you'll be listening to this uh, whenever we're all asleep and you're, I don't know, or you won't be watching any baseball at the moment because there's, there's nothing going on. Um, but... I don't know, eating a hot dog or something generic and an American that I can make fun of because that's good banter, isn't it? Um, let's 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 go forwards. Uh, I'm sure you're all well acquainted with this man and his, uh, you know, geniusly humorous takes on Twitter. Um, but you can see a more sensitive side to him now. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give it too much more of a pre-burn than that. But uh, yeah, the man, the legend that is Billy T. There's a moment that I'll uh, always remember while I was watching, and it was at two-two. It was right at the end of the game, and we had a corner, I think, and uh, I think it was Vertonghen who missed the chance, and it went out for a goal kick. And at that moment, looking at the clock and everything that was going on, I that was it. You know, I thought there's no way we're going through now. We're out. You know, this incredible journey that we've been on is over. And I, 
you know, you're talking seconds here, but I literally, you know, the, the internal thoughts that you have at that point, you're trying to make peace with yourself. It's done. It's over. We're out. And you think, right, we've had an incredible time to get here. You know, we've given everything, all the the group stage and everything like that, getting through from Barcelona, um, beating Dortmund, beating Man City. You know, we've had a real good account of ourselves. But when that ball went out for that goal kick, it all felt like it was done. It was completely done. And then, obviously, he's time wasting. And then you just think, that's it. It's, it's over. And then what happened next was just absolutely, you know, you can't even put it into words, really. And I think for a club like us that is so, so associated with bad luck and things not going our way, you know, we've had countless, countless incidents like the lasagna incident, all of those things. You just say, this kind of stuff does not happen to us. Let alone a few weeks later in Man City game, you know, we've used up our whole entire century's worth of good luck in that game alone. And then there's no way it could happen again. And then what happened next was just, you know, it's just something that you will always, always remember being in that moment and having that. And, you know, there's plenty of times and we'll probably go on to win trophies and, you know, that is really what it's all about. But that experience in that was just absolutely incredible. And it is something that you will always take with you wherever you go, that, you know, that feeling that when Lucas scored, that is literally football perfection. And it's hard to think of anything that would top that. Being in the Champions League semi-final and uh, scoring that late on, it's just, it, you know, obviously we we all want our trophies and we want to win trophies and that is the next step for us as a football club. But that, you know, that moment there is worth so much to me and it always will for the rest of my life. And the thing especially about it for me is... You know, in my lifetime, we've had our, we've had some highlights. We've had some times where we've been in the limelight. You know, we had like the bail, at, you know, against Inter. We've had some great results in the group stages, and I'm talking like proper limelight where people, you know, people from around the world take notice. But this game for me felt like the first time the whole world was watching Tottenham. You know, the next day when you go in, everyone is talking about Tottenham. The whole world is talking about Tottenham, and that the first time that happened, that makes you proud. And I think for me, the, the, I think it's three weeks that followed where we were in the Champions League final um, were the best time I've ever had as a Tottenham fan. And you just felt proper proud to be Tottenham, which is not something we really get to experience that often with our, with our history. And, you know, and while the final was deeply, deeply disappointing um, and something that we will try and blank out of our memory, you know, those memories that we do have getting there will, will remain forever. And hopefully, one day soon, we'll take the next step. So lovely, lovely from that, uh, from Bill. And uh, yeah, just talking to him after that, uh, he sort of said something to me that was shared by a few of the other people that had sent in messages and whatever I'd spoken to about this. Um, in that it was actually quite cathartic to record it and it's been cathartic for me to to listen to a lot of these stories and I've really enjoyed putting this together um but yeah Bill has sort of said he felt it's something he hasn't really sort of thought about or wanted to face really and recording that gave him a nice little opportunity to sort of relive relive the night a bit so I hope it was uh hope it was useful to you mate and uh yeah really enjoyed the uh really enjoyed the recording um on to another chap now that I'm sure needs no introduction. Um, you can hear him on the, the Extra Inch podcast. Uh, 
Fighting Cock podcast, and he very kindly agreed to uh, to do me a recording here. I mean, we you know we go way back, so I get special privileges off of him, to be honest. So uh, yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna brand those him too much, but uh, yeah, here it is. Go on, Wendy. When you asked me to put together a few thoughts on the Ajax game and my emotions around that, I was trying to sort of place myself back in the headspace that I was in at that time. And there were two things that came to mind. The first was that I was meant to be watching that game with friends, but I had to work late. And so I ended up watching it by myself at home. And when that goal went in, when that magic moment happened and I saw all those Spurs fans going berserk and when I heard you know Jermaine Jeans losing it in commentary Glenn Hoddle just a wreck afterwards in the most beautiful way my first thought was I just want to be with my family right now enjoying this moment and we had a phone call as a group and it was wonderful but it's not the same is it as experiencing it with with your loved ones and I think it was like a culmination of what being a Spurs fan could be like at its peak. And I wanted to be with the people who I'd suffered the lows with during my lifetime. Like, we deserved that moment. That moment was incredible, and I wanted to share it with the people closest to me. The other thing is, and this is much more practical, um, I was recording a podcast afterwards. I'd agreed to be on a, a podcast talking about the match and when I listened back to that interview I did afterwards I sound like you know when you're under the shower and suddenly the hot water goes I sound like that like I can't catch my breath I'm so hyped up I can't I'm I'm like I'm like a kid who's had too many sweets there's been too much excitement and I can't quite come back down to earth um and I was giddy I mean, it was just amazing. And for it to be Lucas Mora, a player who was, you know, he'd done some good things, but he'd largely flattered to deceive. For him to pop up out of nowhere and score those three goals, the last was just mesmerising. Yeah. Thank you, Spurs. What a pro. You wouldn't expect anything less, though, from the uh, from the great man himself. Thank you very much, lad. Um, yeah, I'm sort of running out of things to say in between these, which you'll probably all be happy to hear. Um, it's just, yeah, all I can say is it's been very fun to do, and uh, you know, sorry that Raj and I haven't been able to to do this do the podcast more more frequently anymore. You know, it's something we. We enjoyed very much um, down the years, and just as I'm sure many of you can appreciate, life takes over, uh, and you find yourself with less and less time, and that's pretty much the long and short of it. You know, uh, we still chat a lot, we still get on very well, we're still often always teetering on the verge of doing a podcast. We we've, we've done a couple actually um, here and there that have either, I think one, I fucked up the recording on my side, so technical itch, and another one, 
he fucked up a recording on his side. Um, and other than that, you know, the stars have just not aligned and given us a sort of time to, to, to record this with the frequency that we used to, but, uh, you know, still very fond memories. And if anyone is still listening, um, by this point, you know, thanks for, thanks for doing so. Um, I mean, to be fair, you are getting free entertainment, so I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to thank you too much. I mean, really, you should be thanking me, um, me in particular, not so much Raj. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's all I can say. But on the subject of podcasts, um, the next chap I'm speaking to, he's uh, well, he's an old colleague of mine. He goes by the name of Jude, um, and he actually appears on. Uh, a class new Tottenham podcast. Class, see? It's a class. Um, but it is a class Tottenham podcast called Oh What A Night. Um, ben, who spoke to earlier as well, he, he also hosts the show. Um, so if you are looking for a decent new Spurs pod, um, get on it because it's very good. Very nice team of, team of lads that have put that together. Um, it's a very good listen. Um, but yeah, here's, here's a taster of what you can expect from the Oh What A Night podcast as uh, Jude shares his story of having to actually work the night of the uh, the Champions League semi-final in question. So on the night in question, I was actually on shift uh, in the office, um, sort of watching things unfold. And at about half eight, nine, I think I was getting some pretty standard uh, messages of condolences, you know, from from my friends saying, you know, maybe next year and, you know, you'll come again. And even my mum was was texting me going, oh, bad luck, dude, you know, your lads aren't going to make it to the final. And I'm thinking, ugh, even my mum's in on it and she knows that we've screwed up a little bit here. Um, and I was pretty upset, so I started to... Just try and get on with a few other things. And um you know, suddenly just you get I got two quick buzzes on my phone um saying that it was suddenly two two on the night. Um and we'd sort of brought ourselves back and I watched the goals and they were two brilliant goals. Um from a player I mean I really hadn't expected to pop up and be counted for in such a clutch way um and then it just i really i I can't put into words how it happened it just the some sort of magic was just at play (laughs) and things just suddenly started falling into place and i turned my i turned the buzzers off on my phone because i couldn't i couldn't hack the drama i just had to sort of watch it unfold um and then like yeah sissoko played the ball forward Obviously, Lorente boshed Dillit off it. Delhi flicked it around the corner, and I can't even remember what the commentators were saying at, at the time. I mean, I must have watched it back about a hundred times now. But I just I leapt off my chair and did the most ridiculous celebration in the office. And thankfully, no person from security has brought it up and said, "What were you doing at ten o'clock on a?" on a Wednesday night (laughs) getting that excited and then I I just remember getting 
a few calls of my friends saying, what on earth has gone on here? And I, I can't have said anything intelligible <laughs> just because it was completely ridiculous how it had happened. We'd seen Barca-Liverpool the, the night before and I, I was pretty sure all the drama had been taken out by about half time. And then the game just, it remains my favourite Tottenham game. And that's probably not, uh, you know, hipster to say that. It, um, it just felt like everything was possible at that time. Even with a group of players who seemed pretty broken um, and who had just scrapped their way through the knockouts. But at that point in time, they just had my heart. And I was just totally in. And just seeing the players having beers after the game and everything and appreciating the fans that made the trip out there was, um, was probably the most emotional I felt watching something, watching a Spurs game, for sure. Just the absolute elation and then just the realisation on <laughs> that central tube uh, line journey home that we really had done something incredible. And it's, um, I mean, I've waffled on here, but it's still hard to put into words just how brilliant it was. It was amazing. Cheers, Jude. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Jude can't sort of pull behind the curtain. Well, pull behind the curtain, that sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? But pull aside the curtain um, as he still works for... The company that I used to work for, um, but with his concern about the security, I mean, security was always very lax, so they weren't going to do anything. So, I mean, yeah, you know, you're fine probably jumping around, smashing the smashing the gaff up. Um, but uh, yeah, let's uh, let's go on to to a chap again who I'm sure a lot of you will know. He uh, he's part of again this sort of incredible creative collective of people that we seem to have in our fan base um you could often see him either at legends nights or at various different kind of spurs live events playing his guitar playing a lot of songs keeping everybody entertained um he also hosts his whiskey sessions on twitter instagram everything like that where he basically takes requests and plays really fucking amazing acoustic versions of songs that you might want to hear. And it, it's not always the ones that you'd expect. You know, he's, he's, he's turned his hand to, to making a few unexpected requests come to life and breathe, breathe a new life into them. He's a very talented man. He's a very lovely man. Um, very happy to consider him a friend um spoken to him before on this podcast um it's tom mitch and he had to play the role of the doting father on this night so he uh he regales his experience now the ix game was one of the most surreal footballing experiences of my life without a doubt uh I watched it at home 
by myself on a on a laptop on a stream that was running about 90 seconds behind what was actually um unfolding in amsterdam um my wife had gone out for the evening and i've got two young children so uh I'll, there was no way i was uh going to be watching it with friends at the pub let alone being at the game uh so uh so yeah it was me my laptop and a few beers um watching a pretty depressing first half i'd been at the first leg at, at the at the new lane where i actually looked very impressive we hadn't really looked um anywhere near up to the pace that they were um and so at half time in the second leg yeah you're really feeling like there's nothing nothing is going to happen in that second half to to change things and um and then of course you know suddenly we're we're at two all not not too far into the second half and uh um i think I don't really remember much between Lucas's second and third goals other than um, they had a couple of chances and uh, obviously like Jan hit the crossbar, uh, Lorente had his point blank shot cleared and um, you're just thinking, yeah, good old Spurs, they put up a good fight, at least we're going down with a bit of bit of, bit of fight, bit of a glorious failure and um, and I think I'd fully accepted that that was the case. So when Lucas did score the winner at the end, um, I just I didn't even celebrate. I couldn't quite comprehend what I'd seen. It was uh, it was just it was Tottenham Hotspur scoring a, a last minute winner in a game of such magnitude. It doesn't happen. Yeah, we're not that team that creates our own luck when we have to and hauls ourselves over the line in in games of such importance. And uh, you know I. I think my body wasn't conditioned to accepting what I'd just seen. Um, and it was only at the full-time whistle that I kind of realised I had tears on my cheeks and uh, and I wanted more than anything to, to be with the guys I normally go to games with and, and you know, just not by myself in my uh, dark little kitchen in Enfield. Um, and then uh, just after the full-time whistle, while I was wanting to pick up the phone and talk to talk to people just talk to anyone about what we'd just seen uh my um half-cut wife fell in through the front door and uh and she just wanted to tell me about her night out with the girls and uh i'd never cared less in all my life it was uh it was just yeah go away kerry i haven't got time for this right now um to and I think there was probably just about three or four hours after the game of just um, phoning up different people, texting friends, talking, talking to them, trying to like all take in what had just happened. And you know, obviously, I wish I'd been out there, um, but at the same time, I think to yeah, modern modern technology to be able to have Twitter and um, you know mobile phones uh, to to kind of get together with with like-minded people albeit virtually um albeit digitally from uh yeah during during such a incredible moment of the club's history um i felt grateful for that because uh it would have felt pretty lonely enjoying that moment by yourself cheers to that tom um I've I've got to call you out as much as I was gushing about you before uh, I recorded your piece. I've got to call you out. The, the tail end of your pit you send in there was a little bit. You'll never walk alone. All right. Which, given the events that we know that followed, it's, you know, just 
tone it down just a little bit, yeah, pal? Do you know what I mean? Like, all right? Um, I just kid, obviously. Me. Um, right. A good pal of Tom's and a good pal of this show. I, I actually recorded a, a very good pod about the history of Tottenham and the Tottenham area and such um, with this gentleman. He, he is an archaeologist and a historian, probably one of the most learned and incredible people I've ever had the privilege of speaking to. He's lived a life. He's, he's, he's lived four or five lives, I would say. Um, a, a, f- a fascinating, intelligent, brilliant man. Um, he has paid me to say a few of those things. Um, but it doesn't make them any less true. It just means that I've capitalised on an opportunity. Um, and that's what I do. Because I'm a slick high roller, in case you hadn't guessed. Uh, I have no idea what I'm going on about, to be honest. I'm just going to let you now listen to Rich and his story of listening to the Champions League semi-final. The interesting thing is I remember more about the first leg because we were there. The night was a sort of glitzy non-event. It was an alarming performance and frankly we'd sort of expected it. I listened to the second leg on the radio locked in my office and I've got to be honest, I didn't expect much from it. But fuck's sake, they scored before I'd even sat down. From there, it all gets a bit hazy, to be honest. I sank a bottle of red and stared intently at piles of unfinished work on my desk, just willing something to happen while all the time it slipped further and further away. When I first went in, my scout sister-in-law texted me, it's on. The second was like a bolt of electricity that came into the room while I was still mulling that idea over. I was up, out of my seat. I'll see you in Madrid, I text her back. More staring, more straining, trying to grab hold of the words and make something happen from down the tiny little speaker. Time ticked away and ticked away and it just got less and less likely in my mind that anything was going to happen. Larice kept it alive just about and just as my bottle emptied, the clock was over 90 minutes. Surely that's it. It's hardest to take because we were so close again. I was just opening a bottle of whiskey to console myself when the world exploded out of the little radio on the side. I lost my tiny fucking mind, mate. The dog thought we'd got an intruder because I was up the garden shouting at the clouds and the shed. By the time I'd calmed down and got back in the house, it was all over. I didn't realise the game had still carried on. My wife said, it's only the second time I've ever seen you cry in nearly a decade. Well, she clearly doesn't watch Spurs with me very often because they do that to me all the fucking time. Demesha come through from my sister shortly afterward. Sake. Because they wanted anybody but Tottenham. Thank you very much for that one, Rich. Um, Rich is actually a, a bit of a trooper, as uh, he's got he's got a bit of a sore throat at the moment. He he, he does have a, a pretty gravel tone at the best of times, anyway. Um, but it was particularly kind of owed to Phil Mitchell um, on this occasion, uh, which I yeah, it's actually quite sexy. Can I say, Rich? To be honest, um, but uh, yeah, no, he. Uh, 
he does have a very sore throat and he's he battled through to do that for me. So, uh, well, for for all of us, not just for me, for everybody, for your listening pleasure. So, uh, yeah, cheers, Rich. Um, the uh, the 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 next contribution is uh, is a, a, I would say almost like a glorious haiku. I called it um, to him when I when I spoke to him about it um, from a pal of mine called Charlie. You may again know him, Charlie Parish, um, on Twitter, uh, and he's yeah he's part of the the cabal of wrongins that I usually go and watch Spurs with meet beforehand. Um, he lives relatively close to the stadium, so it's always nice on a on an early kickoff match day, as uh, he'll get people around for a, for a big fry up and uh, yeah, get put on the works. It's always a it's always a nice day and uh, yeah, something I think we're all sort of missing at the moment, as I'm sure a lot of people can appreciate. Um, but yeah, Charlie uh, Charlie did send this in, and it's. Uh, it's brilliant, so I'll, I'll let him do the rest. There will never be a football game that better captures what being a Spurs fan is like. First, the hot-cheeked embarrassment of looking like we might get thrashed in a Champions League semi-final to a team from Holland. And so much shouting at Kieran Trippier. Then some pride. Some pride that would actually prevented that humiliation and showed what we're about. Obviously, safe in the knowledge that that effort, all that work, would most likely be futile. Then the hope, the hope where you dare to dream for just a second before chastising yourself for being so foolish and naive and stupid. Hope that finally gets extinguished when Jan, my beautiful Jan, nearly scores the winner. He doesn't, and you know that that's that. That was the chance. Spurs don't win semi-finals, but it's fine. This is just what happens. Then there's another chance, but that sells over the bar. And Anana has a goal kick with 30 seconds left. So you start thinking about what your party line will be in the office tomorrow. It was a heroic effort, especially without Kane. Or maybe a final against Liverpool would have been miserable anyway. But then hang on. Suzoko's hooked it back into their half. Fernando's got something on it and Delhi's turned it around the corner and Lucas has got there before delight and no, 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 this doesn't happen to us. It'll be disallowed. Why is the camera not filming or celebrating? Something must have gone wrong. Am I crying? I'm making some kind of wailing noise. I'm on my knees. My heart is pounding. I love this team. I love Maurizio. I love this beautiful kit. I love supporting this insane, awful, ridiculous, perfect club that's perfect for me. Oh, Christ, there's still a minute left and oh my God, we're going to do it. We're going to win the Champions League. But that's another bastard story for another bastard day. Come on, you Spurs. Thank you very much, Charlie. That was beautiful. It's uh yeah, we're we are on the on a we're in a sort of Champions League final safe space here. Um we've we've sort of hinted at it in the past and you've done a you know, you've done grand there to Kind of hint at it, but not really, not really deep dive into it. Another bastard day, as you say, and uh, I think that's something I would, I would very much share. Um, but yeah, cheers, mate. And uh, sorry if I've just uh, organised an on mass fry up sesh at yours. Um, once this is all over, um, I'm sure you wouldn't mind anyway. Very hospitable man. Um, this 
next, and I think yeah, I think this is going to be the 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 final contribution now, is uh, from a man who, to be honest, uh, a lot of you have to blame for me, to trunk, Jack, whatever you want to call him, existing in the. Uh, in the internet space, in the form that I do, at least, um, you know, in the early days, early days of the internet, you know, I'm sure we can all remember it well. And it just post, I call it like the the post CFAX era, where message boards were king, um, and blogs especially were. And uh, his his uh, blog, dear Mister Levy, um, captivated me. It's, he's uh, been a been a a long time inspiration to me and uh he's a he's a great bloke you can obviously hear him most of the time plying his trade either on his own blog on the fighting cock blood or or blood blog or on the fighting cock podcast um yeah good bloke spooky go on some the, the defining memory for me of the night was that I had given up. Um, there was just before we, we we scored that winning, had that winning moment. Uh, we we tried to get forward and we lost the ball. And I was I just I slumped in myself and thought, you know what? It was a brave attempt. Done ourselves proud. This Pochettino team has always made me believe that this time. We just fallen a little bit too short. Our luck has run out. Our luck has run out, and in almost typical Tottenham fashion, just in terms of giving you something when you least expect it. Again, my faith was completely restored in that moment when we pushed forward one last time, and I was like, "Nah, nah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen." And I don't know how I felt at that moment. It was, probably, it was probably, I mean, I've been to cup finals. You know, I saw Tottenham beat Arsenal 3-1. I went to games in the Champions League. Um, I've seen some amazing footballers and some amazing moments. And I've seen us lift silverware. But in that moment, in that moment when we won, and we scored and we won the game, in the most unlikely circumstances... It was the height of being a football supporter. It was the, 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 the highest high. It was smoking DMT. It was injecting fucking THFC into your blood and your brain imploding. It was spectacular and surreal and everything you expect from Tottenham. I mean, what happened after that in the final? You know, I'd rather forget... But in that moment, everything that we were building towards was delivered in in only the way Spurs could could do it. Spurs would never win a semi-final, a two-legged affair comfortably. That's not Tottenham. Tottenham is 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 that having you slumped on the floor in in an absolute emotional mess, and then have you bouncing off the walls. Uh, not not just for that evening, but for days and weeks after. It was probably the best feeling I've, I've had in in my lifetime. Thinking, oh my god, we could, we might win, we might win the Champions League. How 
impossibly ridiculous is that? How fucking stupid is that to say that out loud as a Tottenham supporter after 20 years of of just dreaming without any tangible evidence that we'd actually achieve anything? Um, that was a special night, and and I guess my only regret is I wasn't actually in, you know, at the game, um, but watching it, and I, I think I would have died at the game to be honest. Let's be fair. I would I would I would, I would not be recording this this audio right now. I'd be dead. Thank you, Spooky Tottenham royalty, right there. Um, now I was I was literally just about to export this podcast um, when a certain person slid into my DMs and uh, unsurprised like well surprisingly for once um, not with a dick pic um, he sort of ghosted my requests to record something up until this point but I think the universal energy as Pochettino once spoke of, has conspired once again. The stars have aligned. And uh, just before I exported and uploaded this podcast, he came to his senses. Because what is Rule the Roost podcast without Mr. Raj Baines? Raj, boy, brother, take it away. Between the Ajax game and the final, um, I think that's the last time I actually poured everything I had into Spurs and felt fully invested. It's all been a bit numb and stale since. Uh, Having come off that City second leg, I thought we'd never get through. Um, And that game that stripped years off my life expectancy, the Ajax tie seemed a bit mundane in the approach. Obviously, the the thought of Spurs in Dam and the sisterhood between the two clubs provided some anticipation. But after that wet first leg at home, the, the second didn't feel that, that big or important anymore. It just, um, I don't know, it was, it was a bit anticlimactic. Um, I, I sat in the same place that entire Champions League campaign at a superstition and the fact that if I sat alone and Dad sat alone, we didn't encourage each other and egg each other on to make more of a racket than we would do otherwise and annoy everyone else in the house. Um, but having having gone 2-0 down, it, it felt done. And I think I carried on watching out of more mu- morbid curiosity than anything else. But I, I say I carried on watching, I think, as everyone did. Um, and that second half was just, it, it was a blur, it was unreal. Um and I think when we'd when we got back to being within a goal, once Lucas had two, I think I tweeted something to the effect of it it being typical Spurs, giving us glorious failure, um, coming so close to doing the impossible and, and, and being victorious and, and all that sort of stuff and and as always not getting across the line. But when when that third went in out of nowhere, that flick and that Going into corner, I don't, don't even know how I how I reacted. It it, <clears throat> it was a euphoria and a shaking and a high that you just can't match. Whether it's 
something synthetic that you're searching for your hydro or something natural that was it was perfect and it was it was something I've never felt before or, or made you since I remember trying to explain it to my girlfriend at the time now fiance and I couldn't get her to understand it and you know, at the same time, I was getting all these texts through from family and friends who were all understanding and were like, oh, shit. And you know, even my only lads who, who take no pleasure in, in giving Spurs anything were, you know, beside themselves with happiness for me and, and, and you know, couldn't, couldn't be, you know, um, complimentary enough of what we'd pulled off. Um, you know, trumping that Liverpool result the night before, the stars all aligning. Nobody wanted them to win the final. They were all behind us. It was it was a perfect storm. It was just a, a just euphoric and it felt felt like everything we'd worked towards was was finally coming off in the most unexpected of ways. Um I just, it's hard to speak about that game without being coloured by the final now. And I don't want it to be negative because it wasn't. It wasn't a thoroughly negative experience, I think. Um, that game in isolation is, is probably the happiest I've ever been as a, as a Spurs fan. It's, it's That goal was up there with the feeling you get of beating Arsenal and... and and those goals and those moments, the Danny Rose one and the four all and shit like that. But um, I think the ending was was as Spurs as you could make it, and that's fitting. The echo of glory. I wish it lasted longer than the seconds it did. Um, but it was nice that I just want to say now that I still don't think it was a punishable handball and I'm, I'm going to die on that hill quite happily, but um, I think it was the end of the road for that chapter of the club, um, which is my favourite one so far, the Pochettino era, that that specific squad. Um, I think that manager, that coaching staff and those players will all go down as modern-day legends and I think the club has failed them and, and the manager in the way it's gone since and, and during that time, I think... The players uh, were run down, overplayed and overworked and, and the, the injuries were a result of that and the malaise is a, is a result of the lack of investment and and, and, um, and foresight in that area of, of operations. Um, I think it was negligent and short-sighted and I think we're, we've negatively affected these players' careers in a way we shouldn't have done and uh, I think we should be ashamed of that. Um, but that's a, a conversation for another day. I think had we had we given more to them and, and backed them a little more and, and maybe you know pushed the percentage dial five percent back in the way of on field rather than off field because I understand the stadium pressures and, and having to put resource into that and the and the and the fact that we don't want to be a Leeds and and lose everything we've got and, and be fiscally responsible. But it's just such a, a giant missed opportunity. But that's that's the through line of the club in, in, in modern day, I think. Um, I think it was an imperfect ending that was that was thoroughly Tottenham and I'm I'm not sure those feelings will ever be repeated. Um and if they are, I'm not sure how long it'll be. Um 
I'm glad we have that Ajax game. I'm glad we all got to experience that and have those feelings. I'm, I'm, I'm ecstatic. We got to have seen Tottenham in the Champions League final. I genuinely thought that was something that would be forever beyond us and for clubs of a, of a completely different status. Um, and I'm more than anything, I'm happy I got to dream again as and, and feel that childlike emotion towards my football club and hope and and pray for victory and want something so badly in a sporting context that my heart broke when we didn't get it and remains that way because, as I say, my relationship and feeling towards the club has just not recovered since. Um and none of that was possible without Ajax away. And, you know, that cliche, it's better to have loved and lost and experienced. And I think that's more true and more befitting of this than, than anything else. That's sort of come to the end of all this. Um, hope, you've even, hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's provided something of a sort of catharsis for anybody listening. Um been been fun to make it was it's a bit last minute i realize it's a bit cobbled together as i sit here in my back room talking to myself um i think the neighbors are getting a bit worried actually but no well fuck them um but yeah it is it's just it's a strange time for everybody um i hope everyone's coping very well you know i do realize that some things are bigger than football this is obviously a very it's a very sentimental day for Spurs fans, this anniversary, but in the context of what's going on in the world right now, I realise that, you know, it really is just an escape from, from all of that. And, you know, there are bigger fish to fry um, for a lot of people right now. And uh, I just hope that genuinely from, you know, from the bottom of my heart that everyone is getting on all right and that, uh, you know, anyone who is a, an essential key worker... Um, you know, knows how appreciated all their work is. Um, and uh, even if you're not a key worker, just hope you're you're getting on all right. But um, yeah, who knows what uh, what what you know the next chapter in this glorious football club is going to be? Perhaps this sort of break will have done us all a bit well. I'm I'm not going to lie, I was a bit sort of sick sick to death of it all to be honest by just before the uh the lockdown came into play and football ended um but you know i think maybe once once it is safe to do so we'll, i dare say we'll all be sort of happy to have some semblance of tottenham and the community and these sort of stories that have come out of just even recording this back again because really is a big part of a lot of our lives to be honest um don't need to tell any of you that but uh yeah for now anyway i hope you've enjoyed listening and uh a lot of podcasts seem to sign off on stay safe um so i'm not going to do that but i sort of just have by saying that so yeah i don't know fuck off
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.